this, what I'm calling the road of God's blessing. Did you have another song? Okay, okay. Hallelujah. You know, actually, I'm going to get give them an opportunity to come on down so that they can listen. Hallelujah. We are on the road of God's blessing. The Father has nothing but blessing for us. Even in discipline, he has nothing but blessing for us. We praise him, we glorify him, we honor him, and we thank him for his mighty and wondrous love. Hallelujah. So anyway, we started, we started on this journey, which I'm calling the road of God's blessing. The road of God's blessing. And we've studied so far being poor in spirit. We're in the first part of the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. And any time that the Lord tells us that we are going to be blessed for something, we want to pay attention, don't we? You see, these are virtues. These are virtues that when we walk in them and when we develop them, that we walk into the ascended life. That's what we're after, right? We walk into the ascended life. Hallelujah. So today we're going to actually start on Matthew 5, 5. Matthew 5, 5. I'll probably back up and just read the first ones. Matthew 5, we're going to read the first ones, verse 1. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Today, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. So what we first want to understand is meek, in, in the definition that in our world, the definition of meek that we tend to think about is to be cowering or timid. There was nothing timid about Jesus. He was gentle. He was kind. But he was as strong as strong could be in the word. Yes? Yes. So meek does not mean that you are somebody else's doormat. No, 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 beloved, it does not. That's not what meek means. So today, we are going to talk about what meek means so that we can become more and more like Jesus. That's the goal. He tells us to follow after him. Okay? So... In Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary, meek means mild of temper, soft, gentle, 
not easily provoked or irritated. Not easily provoked or irritated. Not easily offended. Okay? It takes a lot of strength not to be easily provoked. When difficult situations come along, when people do things to you that are against the word, that try to destroy your peace or take away a blessing or whatever, it's the lazy man's way out to be offended. That's the lazy man's way, or, or woman, right? You see, but we're not of that bent, are we? No, we're after God. We're after Christ in us, the hope of glory, and that's why we're studying these. That's because we're going to grow more and more to be like Jesus. So the Noah Webster 1828 Dictionary says, Yielding, given to forbearance under injury. So see, this is when you choose. Yes, you may have been injured, but you choose to forbear for a greater good or a greater purpose. I want to go to Strong's Concordance, and I love this. The root is P-R-A-U, or P-R-A-U-S, okay? And even Strong says that this is a difficult concept. Strong says, this difficult to translate root means more than meek. Biblical meekness is not weakness, but rather refers to exercising God's strength under his control. God's strength. Everything opposed to him is under his feet, isn't it? So it doesn't mean you give in to sin. This is not what meekness is all about. You see, we adopt this. We, we adopt his strength. We receive his strength by the power of the Holy Spirit under his control. And that's what we're seeking to develop in every area of our lives. Is his strength under his control working through us by the power of the Holy Spirit? It means demonstrating power without undue harshness. It doesn't mean that you give up your authority. See, that's not what that means. It doesn't mean that you don't recognize the power of the word living in you, the power of the Holy Spirit living in you, working through you. It doesn't mean that you give up that authority. But you have a power that you control. You know, it says here, power without undue harshness. We have all probably at some point in our lives lived under a boss or, or who knows what, that it, it's very dictatorial, very dictatorial, very harsh, maybe even abusive, okay? And that's not what this is talking about. We are talking about someone with authority who's also kind, who's also wise, who, who also has someone else's best interest in mind. So that's not always an easy road to walk. The English term meek often lacks this blend. This is still in Strong's. You know if they had a hard time translating it, there's a lot to think about. The English term meek often lacks this blend of gentleness, better defined as reserve, and strength. See, that's a strong combination. Reserve with strength. Reserve with strength. 
Other suggestions while I was studying meekness, other suggestions that I came across means mercy and self-restraint in the face of offense. Power under constraint. Having the right or the power to do something, but refraining for the benefit or well-being of someone else. It is a virtue that draws its courage, strength, and conviction from God. Thank you, Lord, that you help us do this. Thank you, Lord, that you bring us greater and greater heart revelation of what meekness really is. You see, in in our humanness, we often just want to react in situations, don't we? We get angry, we get threatened, we become defensive. See, that doesn't allow the power of God's love to wash the situation clean. See, it's the power of God's love that brings reconciliation. And so when we, are, when we allow ourselves to walk in the meekness of our Lord, it brings healing and cleansing to situations. See, there is no greater power than the power of love. So I started thinking about, well, what does this really, I'm going through all these definitions and I'm reading all this stuff and I'm like, well, what does it really mean to me, Lord? What does meekness mean to me, Lord? So to me, it's when I choose to walk the path of God's word rather than being self-centered, rather than being and having a self-centered reaction to a situation. I choose to walk in the path of God's word rather than having a self-centered reaction to a situation. To me, it means to demonstrate the fruit of love without holding resentment or a grudge. And when the Lord spoke that part into my heart, you see, I didn't read that in any definitions anywhere. So if you don't agree with me, you have the right not to agree with me. But (laughs) that's really what the Lord spoke to me. He said, yes, it is power under control, but when you exercise that control, when you have been offended or hurt or whatever, it also means not to hold a grudge, not to be resentful. See? So that's a critical, to me, that's a critical component. A critical component. Because it's very easy to get into a situation and you give up something for somebody. And then you're a little bit in your heart, it's kind of like, yeah, but I did that for you back there. What are you going to do for me now? Or I gave that up for you and I really didn't like the fact that I had to do that. So that makes me really great because I did it and I sacrificed. (laughs) But then I... I hold on to it. I hold a resentment. I hold a grudge. See that? No. No good. That's right, Tom. (laughs) Absolutely no good. You might as well not have done it. You might as well just act out the way. No, don't really do that. (laughs) What? (laughs) Oh, so 
So we demonstrate the fruit of love without holding resentment or a grudge, allowing God to work his justice in the midst of suffering or injury without taking matters into our own hands and becoming bitter. See, that's the full scope, I think, of what meanness really is. The Holy Spirit, fruit of love, does not seek after its own reward. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Okay, here's the meek part. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. That's the meek part. That's meekness. So you see, if we're forbearing and then down on the inside we get angry or we feel cheated, you know, that's not meekness. You see, here's the deal. When God sacrificed his son, well, first of all, do you think he wished he didn't have to do that? But when he did, and you make a mistake, I make a mistake, does he look at you and say, yeah, well, if you hadn't done that, I wouldn't have had to give my son? Does he? No. He gave his son. He gave his son who died an excruciating, horrible, disfiguring to the point that you could not even recognize him who took on every sin, who became sin, yet had done nothing wrong for every one of us. And does God hold that against us? That's meekness. He gave it all, saints. He gave it all. And he doesn't hold a grudge. He's the king of love. He's the king of love. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So see, when we need to be able, this is what we're learning. This is what we're learning. This is what we're going to walk into. We're walking into a meekness that does the right thing and is just happy because it's the right thing to do. Not concerned about what I'm going to get out of it. It's just the loving thing to do. It's just the kind thing to do. Hallelujah. In the Amplified Version, the part about meekness, I'm not going to read the whole thing. It says, love does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice in injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Oh, I would love this to be me. Oh, I would love this to be me. 
Thank goodness we have a gracious, merciful, kind, and loving God who goes with us on the journey and helps us to encourage us and bless us and say, okay, you missed it that time, sweetheart, but you'll get it next time. You'll get it next time. Hallelujah. So to me, meekness is applying the word and then waiting patiently, waiting patiently for God to do the work. Romans 12, 19, NIV. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. And that does not mean that we wish revenge on people who have wronged us. <laughs> that's not what that's saying. It simply means don't take revenge yourself. You allow God to do the work because he knows how to bless every person in that situation. He knows exactly what's going to speak to the heart and turn a heart. Proverbs 21.1, King James, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He turneth it whithersoever he will. But you see, you have to allow this. You have to allow this. You can go ahead and jump right on out in front of God if you want. But when we rest, when we rely, when we lean into our Lord, he turns the heart. Okay, now this was not a matter of offense, and I know that y'all have probably heard this story before, but, you know, when our kids were little, we had five of them all cram-packed into a van, and then we had our friends' kids, too, also. So there were eight kids and two adults, and, of course, the morning went like way longer than it ever should have gone because we were supposed to be at the zoo like it in my husband's mind, at like 7 in the morning. <laughs> He's always wanting <laughs> And I'm like, sweetheart, there are eight kids in this house and just two of us. Well, anyway, so we don't even get there till 11.30. Oh, he's fit to be tied. Fit to be tied, but being very nice. But I know down under... There's this, like, churning going on. <laughs> and if we don't do something fast, it might bubble over. <laughs> but anyway, we hadn't eaten. You know, it's, it, you're going into the zoo, and, and the kids are probably hungry, and he's thinking, it's going to cost me a fortune. <laughs> and he's like, no, we're going to go to the zoo, and we are going to go get something to eat after. Well, after is going to be 5 o'clock at night. And the Lord reminded me of that verse. <laughs> the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. He said, do not argue with your husband. Let me do that for you. <laughs> I hope you don't mind, Ken. He normally listens just fine. Just not this time. So anyway, I'm like, okay, I'm going to just like say it and put it out there. Like, 
you know, okay, I understand you don't want to spend a fortune, but I think they really need to eat because otherwise we're going to have a bunch of really kind of probably irritated kids on our hands. And so that was it. So we unpack, we get into the zoo, we're walking around a little bit. He goes, yeah, I think we need to have lunch. You see? See, so we just allow the Lord to work. You, you find the word. You got to find the word. Find the word. Well, in that day, he said, the hand of the, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. So I'm like, okay, then you take care of it, God. I'm not going to struggle through this. So he took care of it. So you find the scripture. Don't be lazy. Just don't say whatever your will is, God. Don't do that. Find the word. Find the word, stand on the word, say, thank you, Lord, that that word is true. That was just a side. I don't really know where that came from. But anyway, so some more of my thoughts on meekness. Having full confidence, full confidence that God will bring right to prevail. And you don't do that saying, my right. No. It's all right for all. Not just me. Because, see, God knows how to bless you and bless the person that you think is your enemy. Remember, a person is never your enemy. There are spirits, but not a person. God loves that person as much as he loves you. He wants right and truth to prevail in that person's life and goodness and mercy and grace just as much as you want it to prevail in your own life. Okay? Psalm 37, 6. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. So see, we're not sitting here going, okay, you're going to get yours. You just wait. You just wait and see what's coming. See, that's not what we're doing. We're allowing the Lord to work righteousness. We're allowing the Lord to allow righteousness to shine. Hallelujah. Walking in the way of love without resentment. That's really, to me, what this comes down to. That's what meekness comes down to, to me. You know, 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, follow after the way of love. After all those beautiful scriptures telling you what love is, it says, follow after the way of love. Hallelujah. Without resentment, without holding grudge. You see, resentment and, and, and grudge holding, that leads to bitterness. That's not meekness, that's prison. That's prison. Meekness forbears and forgives. It does not take account of a suffered wrong once it's employed. Once you employ meekness, you don't sit around and dwell on the fact that you have suffered a wrong that you gave. Right? Meekness trusts in God's judgment. Totally. It rests in the judgment of God. Psalm 37, we're going to read verses 1 through 12. Do not fret, because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who do wrong. Gosh, 
Have you ever heard people say that? Okay, this is also a side which I really wasn't planning on. But it says, you know, don't be envious of those who do wrong. <clears throat> and I know nobody here at RCC has ever said this or even thought it or contemplated it or anything. But just in case you know somebody who has, <laughs> you know, they see someone who's not doing right, the right thing, and then they say, well, look, he's doing blah, or she's doing blah, 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 and look how much they're getting blessed. Nah, we don't want to do that. First of all, when you say that, you are totally being ruled by your carnal senses. You absolutely, first of all, you're not believing God at all. You're not trusting in his word at all. You're not trusting and believing what his word says. Nobody gets away with evil and is blessed. I'm sorry. Blessing comes in repentance and turning back to God. Walking out and doing things that displease the Lord will never bring blessing. So just the very fact that, you know, some people think of that and it's like, well, look what they're doing. They're getting blessed, 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 blessed. And here I am. I'm doing everything right. Oh, let's get the blank out of our own eyes. I'm doing it right. <clears throat> and I don't have what I want. See, we don't want to think that way, do we? No. No, not at all. I want that person to be blessed. I want that person to be rectified unto God. I'm not going to rejoice in any sort of a punishment or things that come to that person's life as a result of mistakes they've made. I don't want God to look at me that way. Thank goodness he doesn't. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You see, when we are meek, we inherit the earth. We can receive the peace of God. We can dwell in safe pasture. We can dwell in prosperity and blessing. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. But you see, we let him handle that. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Isn't that hard sometimes? But isn't that what meekness would do? Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. See, those are reactions. Those are reactionary. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. Don't lose your peace, saints. You got a big, big God. You got a big, big God. He sees the beginning from the end. He knows it all. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. Isn't that where the, where the meekness said? What the verse said? Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek 
will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. You see, there is a reward for meekness. There is a reward for meekness. What, so why? why? Why does meekness in a society that tells us to go get everything we can possibly get, climb over whomever you need to climb over, that if you give up a little bit, you're weak, why does meekness bring this peace? Why does meekness bring this prosperity? It's because you allow God to work. We can have no greater peace than to see God working in our lives or the lives of our children or the lives of our friends or the lives of your enemies. Right? You, you know I don't mean people, right? We want them to be blessed. You have allowed God to work. You've allowed him to work his justice. You've allowed him to work goodness for all. Goodness for all. Staying in the law of love. Walking in the law of love. So then, as a result of that, his peace surrounds you. No one can take that from you. There is no power in hell that can destroy that. So meekness, it doesn't mean that you suffer injustice. It doesn't mean that you suffer injustice without addressing the difficult issue. It doesn't mean you can't address a difficult issue. But there are ways to address, biblical ways to address the issues in our lives that we might have with other people. So we want to we follow after godly direction, after godly course, after godly path, allowing his word to prevail, allowing his word to work. Because his word never returns void. Matthew 18, 15 through 17. And this is, this is how Jesus, this is Jesus speaking. This is Jesus speaking. And he's telling us how to deal with offense and sin in the church, okay? This is in the church. And I don't have this translation. Uh, actually, I couldn't even find it online. I'd love to have it, but anyway. The Aramaic Bible in plain English. I love the way that, that um, this is written. If your brother wrongs you, reprove him between you and him alone. You see, it, 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 is, it is not meekness to run around and tell everybody how someone has offended you or sinned or caused you pain or suffering. There are very specific directions about how to do things. It says, if your brother wrongs you, and by the way, that word, that word actually means a brethren, a brother, a sister. It's from Adelphos. It refers to a fellow disciple. Your, your fellow disciples, whether they be men or women. It says, if he, if he hears you, you have gained your brother. Hallelujah, thank you, Lord. So you go to that person and you say, I really want to correct this with you in a loving manner. I feel that this was the wrong, this was what happened, I might have misunderstood 
please enlighten the situation. But you go to them in a loving manner, not the, okay, please go ahead and pray in the Holy Spirit before you go do this. So that if you don't get the reaction that you want or that you're hoping for, that you don't immediately become reactionary, right? And respond with anger or dissension or strife. Where there is strife, there is confusion and every evil work. So we don't want that. We don't want to put that out there. You go to them. Is this always going to work perfectly? Well, it should. It doesn't, but it should. And with the power of God, it can. Right? But you have to have people that want to be reconciled, that want to be redeemed. So anyway... And you know, so you don't go like tell everybody about this. Gossip is a destroyer. Gossip is a destroyer. But if we handle it God's way, see here's the other part about that. If you handle it God's way, and that person that you're, you're trying to do this with, they don't respond, your hands are clean. Your heart is pure. You've done what God asked you to do. Can you control every response? No. But the Holy Spirit will then reach back in. Right? After you've done the, the confronting. The Holy Spirit can still reach back in there and bring revelation and bring light to the situation. If he does not hear you, take one or two with you then in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word will be established. But if he will not hear them, tell the assembly. The assembly there means the church. And if he does not hear the assembly, let him be to you as a tax gatherer and a heathen. You know, and at first when, I, when you read that, then you're like, oh, yikes, that's really hard to treat someone as a tax, you know, because tax collectors were were despised, you know, they were, nobody liked them. Treat them as a heathen. But then, you know, if you really stop and think about that, how does God treat the heathen? You see, he still loves the heathen. What we call a person yet to believe, right? So you release them. You release them into his hand. You've done what the Lord asked you to do. You release them into the hand of a loving father. And then you'd be at peace. You'd be at peace. King James, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. If they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. So see, you address the wrong, you do it in the, in the way of love, you release it to God, and you submit to his authority in that situation. You confront the kindness, you reason together, you reason together, you, you seek wise counsel, the church, you stand fast, and you stand insistent on the word. It does not mean that you give in to a sin. You stand fast on the word. And when the word is not heeded, if the word is not heeded, you shake the dust off your feet. 
Jesus called himself meek, Matthew eleven twenty nine. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And the King James, I'm reading actually out of NIV, but the King James here says, for I am meek and lowly in heart. He calls himself meek and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. So, so if he's meek and lowly in heart, and remember we, we talked about poor in spirit a couple weeks ago, humble, submitted unto the Lord, which he was. So if we are meek and lowly in heart, we find rest. We find rest for our souls. Hallelujah. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now here's the deal. Jesus called himself meek and lowly in heart, and he overturned the tables in the temple. Does your brain go tilt? Well, maybe carnally, right? But in reality, no, because he was confronting sin. He was confronting sin. Matthew 21, 12. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, the word, the word. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. You see, they weren't honoring the presence of God. He was responding in meekness of the Lord, but he didn't tolerate the wrong. He was strong. He was convicted. He knew that every name that exalted itself against the word of God would be under his feet under his feet. You see that? He knew his power. He knew his authority. Right? He didn't allow sin to persist. He addressed it. He addressed it. He didn't rubber stamp it. He didn't avoid it. He didn't go high. He didn't, he didn't like look the other way. He knew his power, he knew his authority, yet, here's the deal, he was a teacher. Don't you love the fact that we can be taught every day, we get to be taught by our divine master. We get to be taught. He's ever seeking that our hearts gain more revelation. See, he taught. He taught. So that they could receive enlightenment. Okay, well, you, you didn't do so great right there, but let, let me show you how to do it this way. He's always seeking that our hearts would be enlarged unto his loving presence in our lives. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you. He is always seeking that we would come more and more to the knowledge of him. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, right? That we become ever more yielded 
to the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, who is the spirit of truth. Hallelujah. So I want to go to Moses. We're going to look at Moses. Here's a tremendous example of meekness. Numbers 12, verse 1. Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses. Have you ever had anyone do that behind your back? Do you know that the Lord will always reveal that to you? You don't need to worry or fret about that. He will always show that to you if he doesn't handle it before it gets to you. And he will give you wisdom and revelation about how to walk in love in those situations. And here's the situation. Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Isn't that for people? Na 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 He did this, he did this, he did this, he did this. Let's worry about our own selves. You see, you can judge the sin, but you cannot judge the person that belongs to God. That's God's territory. You can judge the sin, but you cannot judge the person. He loves the person. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? You see what they're doing? They're building, first of all, they're building rebellion there in their own hearts. But if they keep along this path, they'll be building rebellion in other people's hearts. I wouldn't want to be responsible for that. I wouldn't want to be responsible for ever building rebellion in another person's heart, let alone my own. My stupid choices, how they affect me, that's one thing, but our stupid choices affect other people too. That's why we don't want to make them. Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of the Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked? Hasn't he also spoken through us? What about us? Hey, we can hear. And the Lord heard this. Now Moses was very humble. The KJV and the ESV there say meek. They use the word meek. Moses was very meek, was a very meek man, more meek than anyone else on the face of the earth. Wow, that's a compliment. At once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, come out to the tent of meeting, all three of you. I would be shaking in my boots if I were Miriam or Aaron. I would not like this situation. I would be on my face repenting immediately, saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. You don't even have to correct me. I know I did wrong. I know that was wrong. I know that gossip was wrong. I know that backstabbing was wrong. I know that my haughty and proud attitude was wrong, wrong, wrong. So the three of them went out. You see, God had Moses' back. See, you don't have to worry if God has your back. All you have to worry is keeping yourself focused on him. That's all you need to think about. He knows how to take care of his own. Come out to the tent of the meeting, all three of you. So the three of them went out. Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud. He stood at the entrance to the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When the two of them stepped forward, he said, listen to my words. 
Well, see, if they had done that before, they wouldn't even be having to be in this situation. But anyway, when there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. Hallelujah. That's wonderful, isn't it? That's great. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. Hallelujah. With him, I speak face to face. I think they just got corrected. (laughs) You think you're all that? I think I'm all that? (laughs) God knows. Whoa. With him, I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? God knows when someone treats you unjustly. And your best response is meekness. You stand in the authority of the word. You confront with the word in kindness and gentleness and peace. The anger of the Lord burned against them and he left them. When the cloud lifted from above the tent, Miriam's skin was leprous. It became as white as snow. You never wish bad on your enemies, by the way. Aaron turned toward her and saw, or I shouldn't say your enemies. Okay, the Lord just corrected me. Yes, that was a very wrong word. Those who oppose you. It became as white as snow. Aaron turned toward her and saw that she had a defiling skin disease. And he said to Moses, now here's another thing. So now Aaron's running to Moses. He had just been speaking against him. Oh, but you know what? He sure knew where to run when he needed help. He said to Moses, Please, my Lord, I ask you not to hold against us the sin we have so foolishly committed. Repentance. Repentance. Wise man. Very wise man at that point. At that point. Do not let her be like a stillborn infant coming from its mother's womb with its flesh half eaten away. And now look what Moses does. Moses' heart here is precious unto the Lord. This is a precious, precious spirit. So Moses cried out to the Lord, please God, heal her. Please God. Heal her. Oh, that that would be my first cry. He he didn't take three months to think about whether he should ask God to do something nice for this person that had just opposed him. Oh, that this would be my heart in every situation. Please, God. Heal her. But you know why I think he didn't have to wait? Because he was meek. He had already learned the lesson. He knew his power. He knew what he could have done. He could have been unforgiving. But he was already meek. So he immediately responded this way. Wow. I want to be all filled up with that. 
I don't do that enough. You see, he gave God the opportunity to heal. He gave God the opportunity to work. He didn't take it into his own hands. The Lord replied to Moses, If her father had spat in her face, would she not have been in disgrace for seven days? Confine her outside the camp for seven days. After that, she can be brought back. So Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days, and the people did not move on until she was brought back. Reconciliation. Reconciliation because of the meekness of Moses' heart. Thank you, Father. You see, Moses allowed God to speak to Miriam and Aaron. He didn't get all up in it. Well, I guess maybe at that point he wouldn't have known about it. But even if he had, I don't think he would have. He wouldn't have gotten angry and gotten into verbal argumentation with them. You know? He displayed, he allowed God to display God's strength and correction. And then he merciful, mercifully, meekly interceded on their behalf. Isn't that what Jesus is doing for you every single day of your life? Isn't he interceding for you? Thank you, Father. Matthew 5, 44, the King James. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. You see, that's walking in love without resentment. That's walking in love without resentment or bitterness. I'm going to take one more example, and this is from Jesus. And again, I'm going to use the Aramaic Bible, and, and then I'll read it in the NIV. 1 Peter 2, 21 through 24. For you are called to this. Okay? We are called to this. We are called to this. For even the Messiah died for our sake and left us this example that you would walk in his steps. That's our goal. That's our only goal in life. He who did no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth, he who was insulted and did not insult. He suffered and did not threaten. But he handed his judgment over to the judge of righteousness. He was not unaware of our sin, but he allowed a loving father to be the judge. And he took all of our sins and lifted them in his body to the cross. For as we are dead to sin, we shall live in his righteousness. Can you be more honored by anything in life than to say that you live in his righteousness? For by his scars you have been healed. You see, he was insulted but did not insult. He did not threaten. He allowed God to be the judge and to set things right, to walk. He was the walking word, wasn't he? 
he walked in the word, and the righteousness of God prevailed. NIV, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. He did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted to himself, to him who judges justly. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, that we have an example of what meekness is. Now, dear Lord, we're going to have communion in a minute. I just want to pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you for the example of meekness that Jesus brought to us, that he brought heaven to earth, that he is the example that we follow after, that he is the example that it's so clear, that it's so clear that you've given us such clarity and that by the power of the Holy Spirit you have allowed us and given us the ability to walk the way you walk. And we thank you for it, Lord. It is our heart's cry. It is our heart's cry. It is our heart's cry to seek you and to walk in the meekness that you demonstrated. And we're thankful. We're so very thankful. In Jesus' mighty name. Now we're going to take communion. Hopefully y'all got your communion when you came in. It's open communion, you know, here. I'm going to go to Luke. And you know, the Lord told me when all this started and things started changing, he said, I want you to take communion every Sunday. I want you to take communion every Sunday. So we are not doing this just because it's a thing to do. We are not doing this out of a um, routine. He said this to me because he said it will bring healing and protection to your people. That's why we're doing it. And it's not just healing physically. It is healing physically. Communion is the meal that heals. Communion is the miracle meal. Okay? But it's not just physical healing. When you take communion, we take it being aware of what the Lord Jesus Christ accomplished for us. It is communion with the Father. It is coming to his table in the presence of a storm. It is coming to his table and receiving peace. It is coming to his table because at his table there is no lack. At his table there is joy. There is reconciliation. It is the resurrected life that he is giving us. That's communion. And that's why we're doing it. And, and the Lord specifically said to me, during this time, you take communion every Sunday. And my peace and my protection and my joy and my presence will be among your people. So that's why we're doing it.
So we judge what Jesus did for us, and that's how we receive it. Luke twenty-two fourteen. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired. You know that God has Jesus. He has desire in his heart for you. I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Thank you, Lord, that it has. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Thank you, Lord. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me, in remembrance of all that his suffering accomplished. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Hallelujah. So we're going to take our cup, we're going to take the bread, take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, oh, this is my body given for you, do this in remembrance of me. Thank you, Lord, for your body that was broken for us for healing, physical healing, healing in every area, in Jesus' mighty name. Okay, and then take your... This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Thank you, Lord, that you so willingly poured out your blood and that you offered it on the mercy seat for our redemption. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. I'm going to do one more thing. I'm going to take an offering going to read an unusual scripture today. I'm going to go to 1 Chronicles 29. 